Well, welcome to Chase Oaks. It's so great to be with you guys today. Uh, special welcome to my friends here at the Legacy Campus and my friends online and, and all our other friends who are joining us from the different campuses. Of course, I'd love to give a uh, special shout out to the Richardson campus. That's where I serve as the Richardson campus pastor, and I serve alongside an incredible group of people. They're, they're my absolute favorite. Uh, I love them so very much, and I, I know they love me because, you see, they call me their Jeff Jones. <laughs> and so you can imagine as I've joined the Chase Oak staff a couple years ago, as I show up, Recognizing there's another Jeff Jones here, we need to have a conversation. How are we going to navigate a church where we have two pastors with the same name? And you may be thinking the same thing. So I thought I might just ease the tension, try to uh, avoid the confusion and give you a couple options. So the first thing you could call me is Jeffrey John Jones. That's my full name. I think I've been called it twice. Never for anything good I did. <laughs> You can call me Triple J. There's a number of people on staff who call me Triple J, and I, I respond to that. I love that. Uh, of course, you can call me Richardson Jeff. There's a number of people who call me Richardson Jeff. Uh, there's some people that actually call me the Harry Jeff Jones. Uh, got the beard and the long hair, and yeah. So, you know, of course, Jeff comes back from sabbatical with the beard and a little threatened. So, uh, but, but most commonly, people refer to me as just the other Jeff Jones. But seeing as the other Jeff Jones isn't here, perhaps just this weekend you could call me the Jeff Jones, right? Just, just for this weekend, right? <laughs> so uh, honestly, I, I'm, I'm so glad to be with you guys. And, and there's, you know, a few things uh, that are really more awkward than being trapped in a moment of confusion. And it reminds me of a story in 1996. It's spring day. It's mid-May. I'm with my family and friends, and we're standing on a highway just west of Dallas. Uh, it's not just my family and friends, actually. There's thousands of people lining this highway, and in some places, two or three people deep. <laughs> They're all filled with great anticipation. Let's see. In a couple months that summer, the world's eyes will be turned on Atlanta, Georgia, as they host the Summer Olympics. And the reason we're on this highway outside of Dallas is because the Olympic torch is making its way through North Texas. We're all waiting to see this torch run through uh, into Dallas, and we're all going to celebrate this moment, except my motivation is a little different. You see, my brother is one of the torch runners. And so we sit there with great anticipation as my brother is waiting for the torch to come. And leans his torch over and it lights. Everyone cheers and, and everyone's excited as he begins to run. I'm super excited. And I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous, but more excited in this moment because everyone's like, wow, this is the coolest thing. They're taking pictures of my brother. And, and me and my friends, we begin to jog alongside behind him, watching him run. It's not that far of a run. He's running about, you know, maybe a third of a mile, uh, maybe a little bit more, but we're making our way along the run or the road as he runs until... He stops, and he stops, and everyone's looking at him. Why did he stop? And there's a bunch of confusion. And we realize the flame has gone out. I don't know what you know about the Olympic flame, but this thing comes from Greece, 
travels across the world, is paraded across the United States, and it gets to Dallas, and a spring gust of wind blows it out? Oh, man. You can imagine we're all standing there going, what happens next? I like to solve problems, and so my thought is, hey, does anyone have a light? You know, and maybe we can just take a little Zippo lighter and light that sucker up and get this show going, right? But then I think about the opening ceremonies, the pomp and the circumstance, and that moment when they light the torch, and I can just hear the commentators, right, going, oh, the Olympic flame, the spirit of the Olympics, comes all the way from Greece here to Atlanta to remind us to compete our best. Though my sources say this flame originated from a big lighter somewhere outside of Dallas 7-Eleven. <laughs> I'm thinking that's probably not the best way to go. <laughs> well, thankfully, someone has thought about this. This probably isn't the first time, but there's a bus that trails all the runners that shuttles them to and fro. But they also have the Olympic flame in there as well for such an occasion. So... Uh, person comes out, the flame relights my brother's torch, and the show continues. I share that story for a couple of reasons, though. One of them is, right now, I've got a number of friends that I'm praying for, that life was going great, but seemingly a gust of wind came, and it blew out their flame, and they've stopped running. And my guess is, there's a number of you that are in a similar spot. Because a few weeks ago, when that other Jeff Jones was here, many of you turned in a prayer request saying, hey, would you pray for me? And you shared some really hard things. And so for the last few weeks, my heart has been consumed. It's been broken. It's been praying for you. I've been praying for multiple couples whose marriages are falling apart as the husband and wife drift away. Losing the vision for the marriage they once shared. I'm praying for multiple couples who so desperately want to have children. And the Lord has yet to provide. I'm praying for some children. Some, pr- some children who are struggling to believe what God says about them more than they believe what a classmate says about them. Hmm. I'm praying for friends who are frustrated in their job, frustrated with their boss, but they feel trapped vocationally. They don't know what to do. They're stuck. I'm praying for some friends who've recently been diagnosed with cancer, and they're left asking the question, now what? It's hard. When life comes and the gust of wind comes and blows out our flame. Well, today we continue in our series, Proverbs, Words for the Wise. And today I want to look at a proverb, a popular proverb, one that I've leaned on most of my life. I want to turn to these words to see how they might bring us comfort. Uh, See how they might perhaps rekindle the flame and equip us to press on, to run the race, to live the life that God has for us. So if you join me, we'll look at Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's read it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. I love that verse. But you know what I don't love? The word trust. 
The, trust is kind of, the word trust is kind of scary to me. You know, because if you're asking me to trust you, there's probably a good reason not to trust you. <laughs> but if I know you, that'll go a long way in determining whether I'm going to throw my weight behind you and trust you. And so as we read that proverb, as we read trust in the Lord, I can't help but wonder, what is it about the Lord that's tempting not to trust? Or I could also ask, what is it about my own understanding that's tempting not to trust? Well, uh, as Solomon asks us to trust the Lord, and regardless of how you read it, there seems to be something about our understanding that is not only different, but in opposition to God's understanding. We're going to have to make a choice. And wise people know this, because wise people, they know who to trust. So as we think about trust, I think it might be helpful to start with the definition of trust, specifically the, the original Hebrew word. And, and one of the things I, I love about this word is that it has two definitions. I love when words have multiple definitions because uh, they're never in conflict, but, but they're in concert. They work together. They actually make the, the word perhaps a little bit more robust. And, and I think we'll find that here. So as we look at that word trust, it means to rely on or to put your confidence in. And, and none of us are surprised by that, of course. But it's the second definition that I think will make us sit up and, and think. The second definition is this, to trip so as to fall uncontrollably. And so as we reflect on that proverb, we have trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. We have to make a choice. Uh, as I think about tripping and leaning, I can't help but to think about stairs. <laughs> uh, in fact, we have stairs here at our legacy campus. We have stairs and we have railways. You, you lean on the handrail, right, as you're going up and down the stairs so that you wouldn't trip and fall uncontrollably. But, but one prevents the other from happening. And Solomon is telling us to trust the Lord with all our heart. And if we think about tripping and falling uncontrollably, that's not the story we want to tell. <laughs> that's the story we want to avoid. And so this, uh, today, I want us to consider, what does that look in our lives? Which one are we going to pick? And since we're in a church, my guess is you probably know which one I'm going to suggest. But for a moment... Let's just think, what is it about our own understanding that we should be suspicious of? Well, I mean, as I look in this room right now, <laughs> I see a lot of really, really smart people. Uh, you guys look educated and learned, and my guess is as you've gone through school, uh, as you've read books, as you, you've uh, sought information, you've learned some things that, has, that have proven uh, well for your life. It's helped you be who God's called you to be. And, and, and as I look in this room, I, I may be the young Jeff Jones, but there are older Jeff Joneses everywhere. There's a lot of wisdom in this room. And, and so my guess is there's a number of you who have some significant experiences, experiences that, that I could learn from. And so you have great understanding that comes from your experiences. 
And I see uh, here, I see a number of, of people that look like they're really hard workers. And they work hard to create the next opportunity so that they might step into the life that they feel like God's called them to. And that's very honorable and noble. And, and, and certainly I see a number of lucky people, <laughs> lucky because they've got great friends. They know a number of great people that, that perhaps you begin to orient your life around someone who you think, this person's going to be able to open doors for me. This person, if I follow them, I'm going to get to where I need to go. Education, experience, hard work, networking, all great things, really good things. But they're not meant to be the main thing. I can't be trusted in or relied on when that gust of wind comes. It reminds me a little bit of my son, Will. I have two kids, and, and I have one son, Will Jones. And, uh, man, this is pretty amazing. I've made it pretty far without talking about sports because I love sports. I don't love Alabama. I mean, it's great. He can have that. But I, I, I love sports. And, and so because I love sports and I love my kids, uh, I've coached my kids' sports teams, uh, and specifically my son's basketball team. And, and Will Jones, man, I wish you could see him play when he was in kindergarten. <laughs> Will Jones would dribble the best basketball like this. Like slow motion with a little bit of swagger. And it was just, man, he was lulling you to sleep in this little kindergarten. And when he made up his mind, boom, he's gone to the basket. <laughs> it was so fun. You'd have loved it. But one of my favorite memories is, is watching my son in that first game. The first game he's ever played. In his first season, the first season I've coached, the first season we've been together as, our, as a team, and the game is going, and my son steals the ball. And he's got a breakaway. There's no one there. I'm so excited. The first points of the game, his first shot, it's going to be a layup. This is easy. And Will Jones dribbles past half court. He gets to the three-point line, and he shoots a three-pointer. <laughs> I don't know what you know about a three-pointer, but a three-pointer is more than 20 feet away. And I don't know that you've ever seen a kindergartner grab that big orange ball and throw it 20 feet. <laughs> and so Will runs and he shoots the ball and it goes about 7 feet and bounces and rolls out of bounds. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the bench going, oh my goodness, what just happened? But it's like, all right, he's got the confidence to do it. That's great. Uh, but, but if I could tell you another one of my favorite memories, it would be the first game of the second season. We played a year together as a team. And, and I feel like I've really got us going, and, and wouldn't you know it, Will Jones finds him in a similar place. He's got the ball. He's got a breakaway. He takes a couple of dribbles, and whew, he shoots another three-pointer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, and this one only goes about 15 of the 20 feet, and it bounces and rolls out of bounds. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what is happening? But if I could tell you my favorite memory of Will Jones playing basketball, it's in the first game of the third season. Yeah, we've been together for two years. The team is gelling. We're ready to go. I'm rolling out my best team. And would you believe early in the game, Will steals the ball. It's a breakaway. The defender's getting closer. He senses it. He's got that swagger. You know this is the moment. And he pulls up for a three-pointer again. <laughs> and would you believe? He missed it. But it was really close, okay? <laughs> 
I just remember sitting there going, what is going on that Will Jones is taking these three-pointers? I mean, I love that he has the confidence, but where did this come from? And I couldn't help but wonder if it came from his own understanding. I mean, Will Jones and I would watch basketball together. We're Mavs fans, and so he's watched basketball players shoot three-pointers, and so he knows how to shoot a three-pointer. Will and I played basketball on the driveway, and so he's got some experience playing basketball. He's put in some hard work. He'd come home from school, and he'd practice his dribbling. He'd practice his shooting. We had practices every week. And Will's networked. I mean, when he looks at his teammates, he's pretty much decided I'm the only one who can make this shot. (laughs) And so Will leans on his own understanding, and we get it. We get it. But what Will doesn't know in his understanding that I'm sitting over here as a coach. And I know there's better. We've been running practices. We've been running drills. We've been going to the basket and making easy, close shots. And they were there all along. But there was something about his understanding that couldn't take that next step. And so, you've got to ask yourself, where did this come from? He leans on his own understanding. And that can be incredibly limiting. And therefore, we miss the better that God has for us when we lean on our own understanding. That leads us to our next wisdom truth. Wise people know who to trust because they know the people they trust. Someone says, trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. Trust the Lord. But... But how can you trust the Lord if you don't know the Lord? And I don't necessarily mean know about the Lord. I mean, because a lot of us know about God. But do we really know God? We're talking about a relationship. And we know what it takes to build a relationship. It takes intentional time over time. It takes getting to know someone's story. And we get story, right? We live in a story culture. We're streaming on Hulu and Netflix. We've got them on our phones. We're, we're watching stories all the time. We're posting our stories all the time. We're reading stories all the time. And, and when I think about story, there's a few things that a great story has in common. Every great story has a, has a main character. A main character that as you go along, you, you get to know their story. You know their hearts, you know who they are, you know how they think, you know how they feel. And you also get an insight as to what it is they want. But every good story has a conflict that keeps our main character, our hero, from getting what they want. And what really makes a great story is the way that person navigates the conflict. Like if our main character lies, cheats, and steals to get what they want. I don't think we'd call that a good story. What if our main character sacrifices everything they can to get what God's placed on their heart? At the end of the story, at the end of the movie, at the end of the show, we stand up and cheer and go, that was amazing. And so I want to suggest, if you want to get to know God, If you want to move from knowing about God to getting to know God, I want to suggest that you get to know his story, that you spend time reading his word. 
And of course, we get this. It takes intentional time connecting with God. And, and, and I said, again, we get this. My wife is here, and, and when I think about building my relationship with my wife, it began with an intentional time choice. Like we said, hey, will you go on a date with me? Will you go on another date? And another date? And another date? And with each one, we began to know each other. We would hear our stories. We would laugh. We'd share our dreams. And God slowly began to knit our hearts together to the point where we said, let's get married. You know what's interesting about that? Is I didn't know everything I could know about my wife before we got married. What I knew about it, I trusted. And the same thing is true for our relationship with God. You don't need to know everything about God before you can trust Him. I would just encourage you to trust what you know about God. Which brings us to our third wise statement. Wise people know trust is only trust if it's trusted. Let me say that again. Wise people know trust is only trust if it's trusted. What do I mean? Well, well, trust is physical. As we look at those definitions, we're talking about leaning. We're talking about tripping and falling. We're talking about our path and forward moving. Trust is a do-something kind of word. But I think growing up, I, I always thought trust was something you did in your mind. <laughs> like if I could just get my mind to trust in the Lord, then I wouldn't have any more anxiety. <laughs> I wouldn't have any more fear. There would be no more sadness. I just need to stop it and trust in the Lord. But this idea that trust is physical, trust is an action, uh, has been a, a gift to me. And what I started to realize is that it's not enough to simply trust in the words of God, but we need to walk in the ways of God. Trust the Lord. We must not only affirm the words of God, we must also walk in the ways of God. So Solomon tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Can I be honest with you right now? Uh, I feel like the last couple of years have been maybe a little discouraging for me. (laughs) That doesn't feel honest. They've been really discouraging for me, okay? Uh, A number of of pastors, leaders, authors, podcasters, conference speakers who have taught me incredible things about the words of God. Over the last few years, a number of them have been found not to be walking in the ways of God. It's disheartening for me. It's disheartening for me. It's discouraging to me. It makes me wonder, can it be done? But when I think about what Solomon says to us today, trusting in the Lord can't be just about the words of God. It must be also about the ways of God. And so can, can I ask you a question? Can I, can I just ask of you? Can, can we decide? Can we, can we decide today I don't want to just be about the words of God. 
I don't want to be the person who just posts something on Facebook or Instagram. I don't want to be the person who slaps a Bible verse on his bumper sticker and then cruises in and out of traffic at high rates, driving like a maniac. I don't want to be that guy. Can we just say, let's trust both in the words of God and the ways of God? It's one of those things I've started to say to my friends who are in this season of discouragement, my friends who their flame has been blown out. I, I often say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you'll know peace. I'm praying that you'll know comfort. I'm praying that God will give you strength and that will give them wisdom. And then I'll say, I'm trusting God with you. I don't know about you, but when you're in those moments, sometimes it can feel kind of hard for someone to say, hey, trust in the Lord. <laughs> I know you're, you're a wreck right now. I know your heart is broken. I know you're grieving. I know you're sad. I know you're lost. I know you're confused. It's okay. Just trust in the Lord. It can kind of feel cheap. And if you're in that place, I just want to acknowledge that. But if you're not in that place, Can I make an invitation to you real quick? If you're running your race, your torch is on fire, and things are going well, would you look out for those who are in one of those seasons where their flames are out? Because one of the things I've learned about trust is you can borrow trust. You can borrow trust. You can lean on others for trust. You know, it reminds me a little bit uh, of this moment with the disciples. I imagine it was hard for them to leave everything they had to follow Jesus. But Jesus says to them, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And so they follow this rabbi, this person who they know uh, can not only teach the ways of God, but we watch in Jesus' ministry as he lives out the ways of God. And he grows their understanding of who God is. And and it brings us to this incredible story found in Matthew 14, uh, where we read this. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. The disciples are in a boat. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Nothing they've ever seen before. It doesn't fit their own understanding. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I love this. Because Peter's response is, Lord, if it's you. Peter gets a lot of flack and he's thought to be an irrational, crazy guy who makes these crazy decisions. But right here, Peter displays an incredible amount of courage. And I know where it comes from. Lord, if it's you. He has spent the last few years of his life knowing the words of God. Walking the ways of God with Jesus. He knows his Lord and that knowing leads to confidence. It leads to trust. It leads him to move beyond his own understanding. And the Lord says, come. And Peter then got out of the boat and he walked on the water. 
And he came towards Jesus. Amazing. It feels like Peter, the disciples, are leaning on one another. They're borrowing trust. When I think of borrowing trust, I think of, uh, I think of Six Flags. Thanks, Liz. Liz referenced Six Flags earlier. <laughs> I think of a trip I made to Six Flags with my kids. And uh, I told you I have a son named Will and I have a daughter named Addie. And, and uh, Addie was around nine years old. And she has reached that moment where she can ride the big boy rides. <laughs> and she wants in. She's ridden Shockwave, and she's done the loop-de-loops. But the next roller coaster on her list is the Texas Giants, the largest wooden roller coaster in Texas. And she says, I, I think I want to ride the Texas Giant, Dad. So what you say? All right. She goes, will you ride it with me? I'm like, you bet. And so we get in the line, and we're talking. But as we're talking, I see her every now and then kind of glance over at that big drop. <laughs> And I'm not really sure what to do, but I know she's nervous about it. I think, oh, maybe I just engage her in conversation. Maybe I just keep her busy. Maybe I keep her mind from wandering. It's like, hey, look over here. Hey, you know. And we talk as we wait in the line. I still see her look over at that drop and come back to the conversation. But she's going. She's going. Oh, man. But when we reach the platform, right, where you see the roller coaster, it just got real. (laughs) And I can sense in my daughter's eyes and in her body language, I know her well enough, she is nervous about this ride. And I tell her, hey, Addie, look. You see everyone who just went out on that roller coaster? They all made it back. (laughs) You don't have to worry. No one fell out of the roller coaster. (laughs) didn't really work (laughs) i'm trying everything i can and i say to her hey listen i want you to know i've ridden this ride a million times trust me you're gonna love it you're gonna have a blast just trust me we get in that roller coaster and if it was real standing on the platform it is even more real when they put that lap bar down and it's like you know they come through and they make sure there's like no space and there's no getting out there's no turning back now and Addie and I find ourselves in that roller coaster and boom it's out if you've ridden the Texas Giant you know you make the big swooping turn and then oh man I'll be honest, I love that. <laughs> I love getting up high. I just, I nerd out. I'm like, oh, look, there's Fort Worth. Oh, you can see Dallas. Oh, there's AT&T Stadium. Oh, I think I see our house. I, I love being on those high roller coasters. I can see some of you cringing like, I have never looked out on a roller coaster in my life, but I love it. And I see my daughter, and her eyes are open. But it's kind of like, hey, are you there? (laughs) I'm not sure she's really there in the moment. I know she's nervous. She's thinking about that big hill. I'm like, look, Addie, trust me. My hands are up. I am so confident. I promise you, you can trust me. You can even put your hands up. (sighs) Addie, trust me. She's probably like, I'm here, Dad. I get it, all right? I'm here. And you know that moment. I love what Liz talks about. When you get to the roller coaster and you get to the top, and then it's like, and you're there, and it's like 1,001, 1,002. And then it's like, ah! 
and we're gone. And my hands are up, and I look over to the side of me, and my daughter's hands. She crushed it. I was so proud of her. What a moment. And it made my heart uh, so full. I think the reason it was so full is because she trusted me. She went beyond her own understanding. Oh, and you know that conversation when you get out. I mean, the people, the survivors, as they get out of the car, right? And they're like, that was amazing. I thought I was going to die, but then I didn't die. It was so good to be alive. And Oh, man, it was so much fun. I love that moment. But that moment happens because my daughter borrowed trust. And so, again, should you find yourself in a season where you're running the race? And your flame is blown out. And you stopped. You're confused. You don't know what to do. Maybe trusting the Lord is too big of an ask. But can I ask you to find someone who trusts the Lord? Borrow trust. And again, if your flame is shining bright and you're running your race, look for those that you can lean over. You can encourage And you can point to the Lord. Chase Oaks, my prayer for all of us today, my prayer for all of us, regardless of your season, is that you would find a physical expression of trust. That you would fall, fall in love with the Lord. That you would know he loves you. He spared no expense to show that. My prayer for you is that you trust the Lord with all your heart. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are. Lord God, we are so thankful for how you love. Lord, we are so thankful that you are not a distant God. We're so thankful that you are here with us. We're so thankful you're not a silent God, but you're speaking to us. Lord, my prayer is for those today that find them in a season where they've stopped, where they've given up, where they've lost hope, where they're discouraged. Lord, my prayer is my prayer is that they they find you. They discover that you're a good God. They discover your incredible love. They hear your guidance. They sense your comfort. They feel your strength. They take on your courage. And they trust, Lord. Help us to be the kind of church. Help us to be the kind of people that don't just remember your words, Lord. But help us to be the people that walk in your ways. Lord, again, we are so thankful for your love. So thankful for the way that's expressed through your son, Jesus, whose life, death, and resurrection are the means by which we have new life. Lord, help us to trust you that we might know that new life. Lord, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you're here this weekend to be a part of our series. We're going to end things a little bit differently today. I want to give us all an opportunity to express our desire, our heart to trust the Lord. And I can't think of a better way to do that 
than to take communion together as a family. And so as you came in, uh, my hope is you grabbed those elements as you made your way into the auditorium. If you didn't, I want to invite you to make your way, grab those quickly, because here's what we're going to do. We're, we're actually going to sing a, a worship song. Our, our worship team's out. They're going to lead us in a song uh, called Oceans. I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs. My guess is many of you love it too. But can I ask something of you? As we sing this song, as we're prone to do with songs we're familiar with, um, can I ask you to pay attention to the words we're singing? Because I think you'll find in these words an encouragement. I think you'll find these words will remind us to trust in the Lord. 